Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. Habs Unfiltered is featured on The Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio. This podcast brings you honest and in-depth hockey discussion and entertainment. Our hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudvay, are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 142. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvang. I'm joined now by my co-host, Matt Smith. Morning. Treg, the Hot Rod Wilson. Good morning. <laughs> uh. those, who, uh, those of you who are joining us via audio-only uh, apps, Treg has decided to sport his Rowdy Roddy Piper t-shirt. Treg, Hot Rod. Mm-hmm. Greatest wrestler of all time. He's good. He's good, but you know. And it's, but just instead of wearing a kilt, he's just foregone wearing pants. <laughs> That's true. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> but in the kilt traditional style. So nothing underneath my no pants. <laughs> His shirt tail is hanging out. Um. Yeah. No. The. It. I mean, Rowdy Roddy Piper's fine and all, but he's no hacksaw Jim Duggan. That's an insult, Blaine. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, all right. So just to get us started, uh, the uh, Habs Unfiltered account put out a uh, poll, and this is super serious, uh, scientifically proven. So please pay attention as this is uh, primordial to everyone's lives. Habs Unfiltered asked, if there was a scrum in the Habs Unfiltered Studios and Matt was manhandling Treg, how would you want Blaine to deal with the situation? The responses were film it and take bets, hit Treg with a chair, and dress like a 90s WWF superstar. Finally, all of the above. So filming it and taking bets got uh, second place with 20%. Hit Treg with a chair was 9%. Dressed like a star, 13, and all of the above one with 59% of the vote. I really thought hitting me getting hit with a chair would be a bigger percentage. So did I. I think, <laughs> I think they went with the all of the above because 
people wanted a couple of things at once, but they all wanted to hit you with a chair. That's fine. That's fine. I can take a good chair shot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. It's what, it's what a good heel does. It's what a good heel right. does. So. And you've been hit by chairs at work quite often. Home, work, wherever. Yeah. Sometimes the ship throws them at you and it takes a roll. Other times it's your, your coworkers just throwing chairs at you. It's true. The chair when the ship takes a roll is amazing because you don't see that one coming. There's no wheels just, on them either. Yeah, because you're just sitting there like, hey, what's going on, guys? And all of a sudden a chair's flying at you. Or a couch. And you're at like a 60 degree angle or something. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite's when you're on the couch and then it slides across the room and you exactly. hit the wall. That's my favorite. So, um, all right. So Matt, clearly Treg has picked Rowdy Rowdy Piper as his WWF superstar of the 90s. Who would yours be? It's, it's hard to say. It really is. Like, I, I know who my favorite is. I don't know if I would take on his persona, but I, I was an, I, I've, I've always been an Undertaker fan, to be honest, right? I mean, I can't really say that I could take on his his whole persona. I am very pale. <laughs> that's, about, that's about it. <laughs> You're much too pretty. So maybe you could be uh, Mr. Perfect. Oh, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know about that. Rick Rude, <laughs> the ravishing one. Yes. Yes. Ravishing Matt. God. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Although, are you now? Are you the American badass Undertaker? Are you the uh, the dead man walking Undertaker? That's the one that I like the most. The dead man walking, yeah. or the uh, yeah, okay. the original. Yeah. Yeah, he the has original. to go with the original because it's the '90s, and he yeah. kind of he held that persona through the '90s. Yeah. True. True. And I'm I'm debating on whether I go Ultimate Warrior because he's insane. Or Hacksaw Jim Duggan because he's kind of just basic. I can see you guys being the... He got hit the, the, the head the, one too many times with that piece of lumber. I, I can see the two of you together being the bushwhackers or something and doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and my ex-wife is Yokozuna. <laughs> My oh, wife my. would be Scary Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a good thing none of them listen to this. Oh, if my wife listened to this, I'd be divorced by now. Actually, if my wife actually listened to me, I'd be divorced by now. I'm pretty sure she just puts earplugs in and walks away. I don't blame her. I mean, seriously, just try living with me. <clears throat> no, thanks. Yeah. All right. Uh, enough goofing off. I think, uh, I think we can get started here for real. Um, so in today's episode, we'll cover off a few items, uh, schedule fatigue, some development talk, um, a rematch of tonight. The Canadians are playing the Leafs again tonight and what the lines will look like for the playoffs or what we think they should look like for the playoffs because the Canadians are going to make it. So Let's kick it off with the uh, the schedule fatigue. Excuses. It's all excuses. Yes, all excuses. Hockey players do this kind of schedule all the time. Just excuses. You shouldn't be at that level if you can't play that many games. Well, I mean, let's let's be honest here. This whole COVID uh, season, making one division where you play teams nine to ten times. Sounded fun 
I mean, this season has been fun in its own way. It's a little less traditional. You got more games against rivals. Who can't enjoy that part of it? But at the same time, you're looking at the schedule and you're saying, holy crap, these guys are playing three, four, five games in a week, every week. Um, Before the COVID shutdown for the Canadians, they had a couple of weeks where they had two games, a couple of three games, and then the rest were three to four. Um, Now it's all four and six, four and six, four and six, four and six for the, for six straight weeks. Is it any wonder that the injuries have started to pile up and that they show up to games and they look completely gassed from the start? Uh, No, it's, 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 I, I've been silently saying this. I don't like throwing that stuff out on Twitter because all you get is every other fan base yeah. saying excuses. There's no excuse for that. Vancouver's going to find your, and this is why Montreal's pretty much in the playoffs. It's same thing's going to happen. Vancouver already has, uh, and I, I hate throwing things at the fans all the time, but I guess we're just products of social media because we see all the hate and all the where we spend a lot of time on social media. We see a lot of the, but. There's just too much high and low. So the Canadians had their three-game win streak there, which is great. Like, I've never – I don't expect them to go any more than win a game, lose a game, win a game in this type of schedule. I really don't. If they win two or more games, bonus. Especially with uh, the injury, Especially with the injuries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with the schedule, and like you said, it's, it's pretty much a back-to-back night game every week and four games and six nights. That, that would be hard on anyone, right? I mean, especially playing at that pace, at that physicality, and especially playing a team that didn't play the night before or hadn't played in two days. It had time to rest, had time to practice, had time to work on the little things that you're doing wrong. Um, and uh, Montreal just doesn't get that chance. They won't get that chance at the end of the season. Come playoffs, different story. Um and I, it's not an excuse anymore. You can you can say it's an excuse all you want. Hell, you can go back and say Montreal only made the playoffs because of COVID-19 again this year, or any other team that made the playoffs only made it because of COVID-19. Um, but uh, don't expect this team to go into the playoffs on a winning streak at all. No, and it's pretty sad when you look at the, uh, the playoff schedule, which the NHL playoffs uh, have always been touted as the hardest – playoffs in the major sports and the toughest schedule because you're playing almost one game every other night so you play a game day off play a game day off and and they tout that as the toughest schedule so it's pretty freaking sad when you look at the playoff schedule and say wow that's way easier what they've been doing lately yeah that says something yeah like i mean back in the day you used to play your back-to-back nights on your home thing, you'd have a night off, back-to-back nights, night off game, night off game. But they don't even do that now. Now it's you play a game, you get at least one night off, play another game. It all TV schedule-wise now, so it all depends on when uh, the TV ratings come in. But it is pretty sad that you can go into a playoff knowing that your schedule is going to be easier than what it was to end your regular season. Well, and you're looking at the schedule and knowing that you're going to have that many games and that little amount of time, that's one thing, but then you got to look at the schedule of your opponents as well. Is it any wonder that the Canadians look dead tired compared to their opposition when they show up on their third game in four nights 
and the other team has had a night or two off before the game starts. That's been, that's been a pretty steady occurrence for the Canadians where they play, you know, the first of a back-to-back or second of back-to-back against a team that's, that's rested. They've had a couple of nights off. I think the Canadians have had two, maybe three games in the last six weeks where they were the ones that were rested before playing someone else, as opposed to being the team that teams want to go against because they've played the night before. You, you don't see that as much with the other teams. And this has a lot to do with the COVID uh, shutdown the Canadians suffered and the change in the schedule. So this isn't a pre-planned thing. It's not, it's not a woe is me thing. It's just, these are the facts. I think we all saw this comment. I just don't think that we expected maybe the injuries to hit as hard as what they did. I think we all thought that, that, you know, something would come uh, eventually, but um, when you lose Weber, you lose Gallagher to an on ice injury. That was, that was, you know, that was, that was something that happened, right? He broke his hand, yeah. but you know, you lose Gallagher. Now you lose to know when he's missing tonight's game. Um, Tatar's missed some time. Byron's missed some time. Drew taking some time away from the team. We don't even know if he's going to be back come the playoffs. Um, you know, you start losing players of this caliber and like, I know none of these guys, you know, people, uh, other people that are listening, other fan bases, if you're listening, you're thinking to yourself, well, that's not Austin Matthews or that's not Connor McDavid. Well, you know, they're still the top tier players on the Canadians. Um, you lose, you lose that, that depth. You lose these guys. You're, you're, you're relying on more of the, the Froleeks and, and, and those kind of players to jump into the lineup and Froleeks played seven games all year. Yeah. So it's not a guy that's going to come in and, you know, give you the production that, uh, that a Thomas Tire is going to give you. No, he's looked good for leak. Is he has, good, he has, but right. he's Bye. a bottom line guy. That's right. He's that's not right. a Tatar replacement. That's right. And yeah, right now, and, 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 and that's, and that's not even bringing up the fact that they've been without Carey Price and say the middle of April. Yeah. I, I will say this, that the depth this year is a hell of a lot better than it was last year. Because if we had the depth we had last year, we wouldn't be in a playoff spot right now. We'd God, be no. we, so that's a, a testament to that. And Carey Price, I think, even though he's had a down year, as people would say, um, and a lot of people were saying put Allen in, get rid of Price. Well, you're showing right now why Allen can't be a number one starter. And I'm not dissing on Allen. Don't because he's been playing a lot of freaking hockey in a short amount of time. I'm not yes. dissing on him. Yes, but. What I'm saying is it's the importance of having a price and an Allen because you can go to those two guys and feel comfortable who you're putting us. And it's nothing against Primo. Primo had that terrible game against Toronto uh, where he didn't get any help. But, uh, <clears throat> and it's all, I mean, if we had price, then you would have had price in against Ottawa, Allen against Toronto, and you probably would have might've won one or the other. Well, yeah. with the way the play, teams played, maybe not, but uh, they would have been fully helped. You had a fully healthy team, and this will probably segue into our next topic, but if you have a fully healthy team going into the playoffs, I have no issue with this team going up against anyone going into the playoffs. A fully no, healthy here's, here's and, we, and we saw how it was at the start of the year when the team was fully healthy. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, were, they were excellent. They yeah, were rested. They, ha- they were yeah, healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is who's out as of today, as we record. It's May 8th. It's the morning of May 8th. The, the Canadians are playing the Leafs tonight. Uh, this is who's out right now. Price, Weber, Dano, Byron, and Gallagher. So you have two-thirds of your top line, your starting goalie, and one of your top three defensemen. 
and Druin. And and, and Druin, yeah. And Druin, yeah. who's a top a top six winger, and Byron, who's your who's a, a depth winger, but still a leadership member of this team. So you have six players out, six, all out with injury. Now, as of right now, the belief is that all of them will be ready for the playoffs. As I of right Price now, that's going to be ready tonight. Maybe, maybe. Okay. It's no guarantee, but maybe. But either way, yeah, he's yeah. probably not going to get the start even if he no. dresses. Yeah. So these are the guys that are out right now who are all expected to be back for the playoffs. Six guys, and all of them are fairly significant roles in the, the Canadians organization. Um, and, and even with them out, the Canadians have been able to hold firm on that fourth position. And there's a possibility that maybe they can get into that third spot. Everything depends on Winnipeg. If, if the Canadians can actually put out a couple of wins here, they got Toronto, they got Edmonton a couple of times. So it's not impossible, but it's, don't get me wrong. It's not likely. Um, so that's what the Canadians are facing right now. <clears throat> that's where this depth comes in. You guys have been going on about the depth and yeah, it's helped. Uh, Caulfield is called up. He's producing. He's actually one of the, uh, the team leaders and expected goals for he's got, two game winners already off his stick. So he's making an impact. Um, Evans, Evans has been one of the emergency call-ups as well. And he's looked excellent. Um, You know, guys like Perry are stepping up and and i like Perry. He's, uh, you know, he's a good player and all, but he's 36 years old. And if he's your, if you're relying on him and you're playing against teams like Toronto who are fully healthy, it's not going to look good. <clears throat> like that last game, the four goals in the first period. That killed the game right there. But what I was looking for for the rest of the game, I wanted to see what kind of a, a, a response the Canadians had. Like they were, they were exhausted. They were flat-footed. They were outmatched. <clears throat> the goaltending wasn't very good. Then when the second period started, they came out, they, been, they ended up winning the rest of the game basically two to one. If you're looking for moral victories here that's a moral victory they still got their asses handed to them but they came out and they they battled back they showed some resilience they showed that they can compete against this team so that's something they can take into tonight's game that also explains the lack of goal scoring montreal has too is how tired they are they just can't rush the play like they on a nightly basis like uh, like they have like I don't know when's the last time they scored uh, three or more goals, but uh, oh, oh Winnipeg, yeah. Winnipeg five three yeah. Um, so and going back to that, Winnipeg is playing two against the Canucks, the Senators, and the Maple Leafs. So Montreal pretty much got to win every game to take third spot, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so just it's looking like Toronto Montreal yeah, first round. Yeah, and and that's fine, but we'll get into that later. Uh, so the fatigue is the big thing for the Canadians right now. You can, I don't care, call it an excuse. I really don't care, but it, it's an actual fact. Fatigue is a, is a, it's a real thing. People, it's a real thing that people get, they get tired, they get bored out, they get whatever top athletes happens to top athletes happens to everyone. You take uh, even a baseball player who play, who they do play every night, almost, even they have to take a night off here or there 
to uh, to rest. And that's up baseball, nice and that's baseball, right? <laughs> so, <clears throat> if you're going to say fatigue, you're using it just as an excuse, then you don't understand sports. That's all I'm saying to you. It is definitely a factor in the way the Canadians have been playing. Now, yeah. come playoff time, the schedule is going to get a little sim- easier for them because they're only playing one game every other night. So it's a, it's a lot better. You get a night off in between. And you're playing the same as the team you're playing. That's right. So there's no advantage or disadvantage. Uh, and because of the way everything happened with Vancouver and Montreal, the schedule has been extended. So the playoffs for the North are going to start a week later, which gives the Canadians a week off before the playoffs start. So they're going to be able to get rested up a little bit, take care of those dings and bangs and bruises and whatnot. And they'll be able to step into the playoffs as healthy as you can possibly expect them to be. And Desharm will have more than one night to practice this together. He might have to, to. work on stuff. He, he might, might have, have two to. nights. He might have two, maybe even three. Exactly. So it's the schedule. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a factor. It's not an excuse. It's just a factor in some of the issues. There are lots of other issues. Yeah. But if you're looking for why, why the team keeps making mental errors, why the team seems flat-footed, a lot of it has to do with what they've faced in the schedule. Physical fatigue leads to mental fatigue. It's exactly. Just a, it's you're just... behind the play. You're going to be taking bad penalties. You're yeah. going to be making poor decisions. You're going to be cheating on the play so you can try and get ahead. It just snowballs. And this is all, these are all issues that we've been watching the Canadians put in, what, the last six weeks. So, Matt, do you have anything to add to it? Or? On this topic, I wouldn't. I, you, guys, you guys have made, you guys have made, um, you guys have made the point. It's, uh, you know, it's, 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 as Trey said, it's not an excuse, it's, but it's just, it's just a factor. And um, we've seen it, we've seen it throughout the year, um, you know, we, we, we saw a, a top, more or less a top tier team at the start of the year and, you know, COVID hits, well, COVID had already hit, but COVID hit the team and then it just kind of seemed like they got their, their foot off the gas pedal. And um, it's, it's been a, there's been multiple storylines throughout the season that I believe have um, contributed to the way that the Canadians are right now and the way they are in the standings and the injuries that they have and, maybe some people talking about um, developmental in, uh, issues within the team and everything like that. You know, you, lo- you lose a coach mid season when uh, everything is looking like you're going to be one of the top teams in the division. It's uh, I don't know. It's just a, as a fan, as a fan, you want to always stick by your team as, a, as someone that does this kind of stuff. You kind of have to go against the fans sometimes. Um, stick your deck out there, but it's, I, I'm really, I'm really hoping that uh, come playoffs that we we see a, a more pl- uh, a more healthy, uh, a more healthy squad, and that Ducharme can actually put some lines together that are going to stay together for more than just you know a game. We're going to get into play uh, what are what what we think the playoff lines are going to look like here in a little bit, but uh, the next uh, the next topic we're going to get into is uh, development. So essentially, Kotkaniemi has become a lightning rod for fans online because with Drouin out, they need a new, a new target. So the target is Kotkaniemi. And it's not an all negative. Some of it is in defense of him, but it's negative towards management. They're, 
there's a giant argument right now about his development and about how good he really is. So this 20 year old kid who already has over 160 NHL games played is now either hot trash, a bust, or is not being developed properly by the, uh, by the team. And everybody needs to be fired and trade the whole team and rebuild. So uh, Matt, we'll start with you first. Uh, what is your take on Kotkaniemi right now? I see somebody that's trying to force the play a little too much, especially when it comes to the power play. Um, we know he's got a good shot. We know he can make a good first pass. Um, it just seems that he is just trying to force the play a hell of a lot too much. And um, when, you, when you're somebody that's a young player, success is kind of attributed to you putting the puck in the net or you helping somebody put the puck in the net. And um, this is a guy that hasn't scored in 21 games. Um, he's not seeing the ice very well. He's, you know, hit or miss when it comes to the way he plays throughout the game, if he's going to play a physical style or not. His, um, his face-off numbers are very hit or miss. He's anywhere between, a, you know, a 20% or, a, you know, in the high 60s for the game. So his consistency is not there whatsoever. And um, even even putting up assists, he just hasn't been doing it. The, the points haven't been coming. And it's not necessarily from the lack of ice time. He's still seeing the ice more than some other players, and they've been producing at a higher level. Um Obviously, taking him off of the center position and throwing him on the wing, having a carousel of wingers, that's not going to help. It's not going to help anybody try to break out of a slump. Um, why I think that the the fan base is kind of turned on him or that the media is kind of turned on him is they're looking at players that were taken around the same time as him or before him um, as, a, uh, as a comparison. Well, let's just say it this way. He was picked third. Montreal wasn't going to get Dullin. They weren't going to get Sveshnikov. So let's take those out. Okay. The one that continues to come up is Brady Tuchuk. And we saw Brady Tuchuk at the at the at the draft. Seemed like a pretty nice kid. Um, he's a, a completely different player than Kakiniemi. The Canadians went out and they they saw this guy's the guy that we need. He's the um, he's the center that we want. We're going to go out and we're going to pick him. And obviously you've got that historic um, video moment with the what lady and everything like that, which is something we're always going to remember because we met her. Um, could Brady Chuck be on this team and be helping them? Absolutely. Would it, would it, would it uh, put another hole in the lineup? Absolutely. Um, you got to remember like Kakaniemi still a young guy. He's still 20 years old and as Treg always points out, you've got to dominate the league that you played in prior before you can jump into the NHL and be dominant. He never did that. He was he he wasn't a dominant player when he played in uh, in in Asshat as uh, as Treg calls it. Asporn. Asporn, whatever. He was never a dominant player there. He was drafted more or less as a winger because that's he where played he played. Wing. Uh, he played, played wing, wing. played wing, drafted as a center. But, um, 
you know, he had uh, his 13 games in Laval and was a point of game player, only scored once, but, you know. And then this year, he's just, he's been mediocre, especially he started the year pretty well, just like the rest of the team. But I, I, I just think that, um, I don't think it's a developmental injury issue. I, I just think that um, you don't put the right players with them and he pops a goal or two and maybe his confidence is going to boost up. Some people are saying it's because um, Mete is gone now and they were such good friends. And I, I, I don't, he was I like this before Mete left. Yeah, exactly. I don't see that being a thing. Um, I'm, you know, I'm going to give the guy some time. Hopefully we see down the stretch and, Starting the playoffs, we see the more Cockneyemi playoff edition, and not this this version here because it's um, if if he continues to play that he the way that he is right now, they've they've got to look at um, they might have to start looking at possible center options this uh, this off season. Well, here's the thing with Cockneyemi. He is one of the team leaders in uh, zone exits and zone entries. Yep. One of the better players in that. He is also a strong defensive player. He's very physical up the middle. He has great vision. His shot is good, but it needs to get off quicker. And that's been the main issue with his shooting is sticks can get in the lane. They got time to adjust before he shoots. He's just not fast enough in his, his shot release. Yep. So that's stuff he can work on that's in right. the off season. Um, Defensive positioning, he can keep working on that. A little bit more strength. He's still only 20 years old. So this constant comparison to Kachuk is just annoying. Kachuk, when he was when he was drafted, and I wrote about him with another website um, at length in a scouting report, the kid was NHL ready the year before he got drafted because he missed the draft by a couple days. He would. He had. He had fully physically matured into, uh, by that point. He was ready to just plug and play into a into a into a lineup. Now, don't get me wrong. He's a very good hockey player, and he's going to be a guy that's going to score you twenty goals, fifty points every year for his the rest of his career. He has yeah. leadership, the whole thing. So you know they're going on and on about him. That's great, but you can't compare a guy who's a year older in another position. That's right. Just because he was picked after, but that's what they're going to do. And, and that's what they're going. That's what they're going to do. And <clears> the <throat> fact that uh, someone like like Philip Zadina is starting to put up points now with Detroit, you're you're even getting you're even getting that. Like the Canadians should have picked him, or they should have went and looked at Quinn Hughes, even though he can't play defense. It's um, it's constantly the same thing. It's whoever's scoring points at that exact moment in time that's right. is your argument. You yeah. drop the guy who's in a slump and go with a new guy to compare yeah. to your guy. It's yeah. never, ever, ever just one person. They constantly go with the hot hand to say, well, look, these guys are always great. No, you're yeah. just, you're skipping around. You're moving the goalposts. And if you're going to compare one player to another from that draft, if you're going to compare Kotkaniemi to someone, it should be Barrett Hayton, who's picked yeah. fifth. Yeah. He's the other center. The yeah. top two centers of that draft are the two you should compare to. And where's Barrett Hayton right now? Like he's still playing for Arizona, isn't he? He just hasn't been putting up the points. Exactly, because he's 20 years old. I should always play in the AHL right now. Uh, yeah. 
He's playing in the AHL. Seven points in the AHL in 22 games and three points in 14 this season with uh, Arizona. Is he a bust? No, he's 20 years old and he's yeah. still learning. So you po- you pointed out the uh, inconsistencies in the faceoff circle for, for Kotkaniemi, which is completely true, but it's still a better... There's The peaks and valleys are... The valleys aren't quite as deep and the peaks are much higher yeah. this year than they were last year. So there's there is progression. Progression is not a linear line straight up. There's going to be, there's going to be ups and downs right now. Kotniemi, he looks like he's going to be a guy who can be a 60 point center in the NHL. Yep. That's not as at three overall. You can argue all you want about that, not being good enough at three overall, but for a team that has not had actual centers for 25 freaking years, that's good. At least it's a it's a pick that should turn out. Yep. Now, you want to talk about his development, the constant, constant shifting of wingers, moving him up the lineup, down the lineup, new winger, all the he's he hasn't had a winger on his wing play over a hundred minutes. No. And the one except for I think Lekkinen. Is he putting in goals? Not really. He scored one the other night, but Lekkinen is not a finisher. Lekkinen is a puck retrieval guy. Uh, Kotkaniemi is a, a playmaker. So you need someone who can shoot. Someone like uh, Caulfield, perhaps, or Toffoli. When he had Toffoli, Toffoli's uh, play, he was dipped down a little bit. And he played with Kotkaniemi. Toffoli started scoring goals again. Granted, it was against Vancouver. But still, <laughs> it moved up. People want to compare centers. How about you compare how Suzuki has been handled versus how Kotkaniemi has been handled? Suzuki, I, I, guarantee, I grant you that he has played better overall, so he deserves more ice time. But when Suzuki was slumping, they didn't shift him all the way down. They didn't put him on a third or fourth line roll. They didn't take away his wingers. and They kept him playing his role. They kept him with steady wings. They let him work through it. Whereas Kotkaniemi has a, a bad period. Well, his whole line changes or he his role changes or he's taken off the power player. I can't, I can't understand the difference in approach between the two. I know the team is trying to win now. They're trying to make the playoffs now. But if you're going to be that patient with your 21-year-old center, why aren't you being patient with your 20-year-old center? I think injuries have really uh, played a fact into this because especially with them going out and getting stall and then wanting to play Evans, um, Deneau is gone now, but even before that with him being in the lineup and then you've got Suzuki where you've got to play a certain amount of center positions, but then you start losing out on these wingers. And instead of playing, I can see, I can see why they tried to put Kakaniemi up in more of a top six role because he is a big guy on the boards and everything like that. And he, he does have a decent shot when he has the, when he has the space to use it. Um, the fact that you lost Drew, the fact that you lost Byron, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, doesn't help the situation. Um, with the Suzuki comparison, you're, you're right. Um, they, they didn't, uh, they didn't really take his wingers away or anything like that. And, and he's, he's found a way to get out of his slump. And he's, 
he's been one of the best players of the Canadians. Probably been their best forward over the last couple weeks. At least, at least for the least probably the last month, he's been their best forward. Um, maybe that's maybe that's what Kakanyami needs. Maybe he needs some, you know, throw Caulfield on one side and throw you know Army or Lekkinen or whatever on the other side, and for him to get some favorable favorable matchups and not be playing against um, maybe a, a top six opponent start popping a couple in the net or at least getting some scoring chances and, and, cool. and maybe that confidence will come back. Well, tonight's game, we're going to see a, uh, an increase in use for Kotkaniemi because Deno is out. So your top yeah. matchup center, your is de facto top line center is out. So Suzuki's uh, line is going to be facing off probably against the Tavera's line again, because that's yeah. been their, their bread and butter this season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kotkaniemi is more than likely going to be facing off against uh, Matthews. And I can guarantee Matthews is going to burn him at least once in this game. And people are going to get all up in arms that Kotkaniemi was a, is a, a draft bust or a failure because Matthews scored a goal. Uh, I'm going to break it, break the news to Habs fans. Uh, please sit down, brace yourselves. Um, Matthews is one of, is the leading goal scorer in the NHL this year. He's going to score. Even if he's covered, he can still find a way to score. He is good. He is he is an excellent hockey player. So getting beaten by him once in a game shouldn't be the benchmark of saying, that guy sucks. That's, it's going to happen. And Evans is probably going to be pushed into, <clears throat> pushed into a matchup role against Matthews after that because Ducharme seems to have less of a leash with Kotkaniemi than he does with Suzuki. And I, I can't understand why. We're probably going to see a lot more stall and, and Evans actually. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully not that much stall because stall is going to get burned. Wide but it's more, but it's, time. but that's good. But, and that won't even be a line juggling thing. That just seems like it, it just seems to me that when they lose confidence in Kotkaniemi throughout the game, we don't see that the line changes per se. And it's like, okay, well, line A isn't working. We're going to put line B in. It's, we'll just swap out the centers. And then you've got Kakaniami's wingers playing with Stahl or playing with Evans for a shift or two. And and then, you know, and then it's all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we got a power play. Okay, Kakaniami, go back out there. And, and, and I'm, uh, I've seen Suzuki make boneheaded errors through the season as well. In the, in the dog days of this season, Suzuki was having a hard time, but they let him work through it. And now he's, he's on a uh, point scoring streak where he has what, 11 points in his last six games. He's playing well. I don't know what the, I don't know what the number is. He's playing very well. He is playing excellent hockey right now because they let him work through some of his issues and they didn't, they didn't try to, change it from game to game. They gave, they kept them steady. They, kept, they, they worked through it. So that approach works. I don't know why they use a different approach with the other center, other than the fact that this is a team that needs to make the playoffs to be seen as successful. And they're only got so much leeway and they seem to be giving it all to one guy. Yep. Drag. Uh, you guys pretty much covered it. Um, it talks of Brady Kachuk in the comparison. You're comparing a winger with a center. That's right. And yep. uh, you're playing pairing a winger on a team that has nothing to lose. Therefore, they're just throwing everybody out. Yep. Uh, 
Brady Kachuk plays 18 minutes a game, where uh, Yasbury Kotniemi plays 14 minutes a game. Uh, well, close to 15. Uh, so that's a three minutes difference. And really, Kachuk only has 15 more points than Kotniemi when you're really playing on the top line in, uh, in Ottawa. And he's lined up with their best offensive talent. He's lined up with Norris and Formentin, I think, is who we are. And or sometimes what, it Halifax was native. Drake Batherson. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's not like he, you know, and then you got Cotton Emmy on the third line who has insert winger of the flavor of the, the night winger. I mean, lekanen has been pretty steady with him. I'll say Lekkonen's normally on his line. Uh, and then you have whoever on the, on the other, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit mixed here. I think it's a little column. I think Cotton Emmy got to pick up his game. Yes. I think Cotton Emmy got to I think you got to decide, is he going to be a defensive forward or is he going to be an offensive forward? Because I think he's kind of caught in the middle, wants to be an offensive forward, but he doesn't want to get away from his defensive side of the game. And he can play both. Uh, he just got to know how to play both and where he you know, should pinch in and should yeah, pinch one in. Term, one should... on and one term, one off. Yeah. But, yeah. but he's 20 years old. Like you have the old, when uh, I used to bash Victor Mete, everyone says, oh, he's only 22. He got to develop. He's a defenseman. Cotton Emmy is only 20 and he's a center. It's really it's harder to develop as a center than it is as a winger or or anything else because there's more to a game of a center than there is any other position. Uh, except my defense is probably a good comparable. There's a lot you got to learn on the defensive side of things too. So I think Cotton Emmy is a better defensive center than Suzuki is. Uh, but for some reason, you're absolutely right, Blaine. Suzuki is kind of like, all right, you're our guy. Fuck up or not, we're going to let you go. Cotton Yemi, yeah, you're screwed up. You're at the end of the bench. Uh, <clears throat> and maybe it's the one-year NHL experience. I mean, Cotton Yemi has one more year NHL. Maybe it's that. Like, I'm just throwing it. I'm reaching straws here. Um, but they've been like this with him for the entire three years. I think Cotton Yemi should have started in Laval from the start, personally. And uh, Matt, you said it. you got to be successful in the league below you before you should be playing in the league ahead of you uh i think if he had a year in laval with uh, ducharme i think he would have been all right with bouchard you mean bouchard yeah did i say yeah. Ducharme? yeah i meant bouchard yeah. uh he'd be all right uh i don't know i don't know what Dush- what it is about ducharme he he uh, personally if i were him at this point in this in the game where you only need one point play your young guys Sit the veterans down, stall, take a night off. Uh, you know what? Evans, Cotton, Yemi, Suzuki. I mean, stall would have to play because you need the four center. But uh, you guys, here you go. Cotton, you go, go with it, right? See what happens. Yeah. What, what do you got to lose? Um, especially when you're last, you, you got three games against teams that play more wide open style hockey, like yeah. Toronto and Edmonton. So, yeah, sure, let them yeah. go, let, let them go. Vancouver and Calgary are not going to run the board to make the playoffs. So you have nothing to lose. Even if you lose every game, all three games remaining, Vancouver and Calgary are not going to, they play four times against each other. They're not going to get the points to get in. So just go with your young guys, make it a youth movement. And then you have all these guys rested up for the playoffs. And if it doesn't work, you know where they stand for the playoffs. And, and back a little bit on Kotkaniemi himself, um, we notice, uh, I notice, I've been, like, I've been watching every game, even when I don't want to, 
Some of them are painful to watch, but I've been watching so that I can see how each player reacts. And what I've been seeing out of Kotkaniemi is that he goes down lower to support his defensemen, more so than the other centers. He is battling along the boards. He is down low. He is doing a lot of movement. He's skating a lot. So he is tired. By the time the puck leaves the zone, he's already tired. Entering the zone, and he's still one of the team's top zone entry players into the offensive zone, which tells me that He's got lots of gas. And then once again, in the offensive zone and set up, there's not much left there to play with. So that could have an effect on his offensive output. And if they want to improve that, we I've been talking about this for two freaking years. Puck moving defenseman. If the puck gets picked up and moved out quicker, there's more energy for the forwards in the offensive zone. Is this a uh, an issue for him to work on for his cardiovascular his vo2 sure you can you can argue the needs get into better shape cardiovascularly but he's 20 so he is not peaked yet so in about two more years you pick up a puck mover could it be norlander could it be harris they've got guys coming up they can make a trade for a guy you get you add that you add those two years of training to katkiemi and i guarantee we will see a much more effective hockey player you got to look at two. The entire team's not scoring. So why you're picking on the 20-year-old defense, what 20-year-old center, I have no idea. The entire team's not scoring. Because he's not scoring and he was a third overall pick, so he is a bust and the team is the, yeah, needs to be sure. rebuilt. Sure. And or Victor we Mendes could watch the team and be be objective and say, look, this is what's wrong. This is what's missing. Can these guys develop those skills? And the answer is yes the center core can develop all the skills mm-hmm. they need. Suzuki and Kotkaniemi are going to be the 1A, 1B for the Canadians for the next 8, 9, 10 years. Evans plays into this. He's going to be a solid bottom six center. Paling, who was out now with an injury. Uh, Should be a wrist good third injury. line center. Yeah, exactly. That's a He'd be a good third line center. Size, he's got speed, he can shoot, he can create plays, he's defensively responsible. Could also be a power. We could also move to the wing and become a power forward as well. Could, but he's. I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. No. Uh, But uh, uh, and I mean, there's also a tweet out there about Anderson about how we he should. Anyway, fans are just coming up. I mean, this was part of the Tiger crew, and yeah, his takes are pretty terrible. But anyway. uh, um, For those who don't know, the Tiger crew are the Mete lovers who just do everything they can to love Mete and hate on other players. Players that's part of a game. It's their game. That's what they're playing. They're playing a game. Uh, But uh, yeah. So, but when it comes back to cotton, I I don't understand, you know, you want to pick on someone. Jeff Petrie has been having a tear while he's last couple games. He's been pretty good. Like on that winning streak, he was pretty good, but no one said a peak about Jeff Petrie. No one said a peep about uh, Josh Anderson until the other day. He hasn't been doing anything really a lot lately. He's been playing good hockey. He just hasn't been producing points. But the point I'm making is nobody on that team is really producing points. Toffoli and Suzuki are the only, and Petrie and the, the winning streak, are the only players in the last couple of weeks that have been producing any type of points for the Montreal Canadiens on a consistent basis. Uh, yeah, and I look at the players that have been consistent in their style, in their effort. Yeah. Guys like Toffoli, Suzuki, definitely. Uh, Kotkaniemi has been, 
he's been very steady with his effort level. Uh, Anderson has yep. not changed his style whatsoever. He's just he scores. He scores on the rush, and if he can't yeah. get the rush, he's not going to score. Playing scores so. on the rush, hits rebounds. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, he's still on pace over a full eighty-two game season to be a thirty-goal scorer this year. So you can complain about him all you want, but guys who score goals like that will score five or six, and then go quiet for a few games, and then play a score, go quiet. It's just, it's just the way things are. Um. And then you look on defense, Petrie, yeah, he had a, what was it, about 10 games where he was just terrible. He was not Jeff Petrie that, <laughs> that the Canadians needed. Weber has been has had a down year as well. Uh, yeah, but people have chirped Weber. Weber's been a constant talk yep. yeah. about how because, he should be Because he was traded on... for P.K. Subban. And right. that right there makes him a target. But the, the point I'm making, is, and I made a tweet about it, I don't understand why the fans need to have that one person that they have to complain about the entire time. They shut up when they play well, but as soon as they have a bag, price is a prime example. And then they yeah. complain that uh, people don't want to play in Montreal. Why don't, because uh, it's not just fans, it's media as well. It's not so, so we're, we're getting fans, fans, fans. It's the media, what media as well. The media every time picks a player that they got to bring down, that they got to, what no matter what they do did Weber have a great season this year no did he have a terrible season this year no right look at the stats you all you uh analytic guys go on about xgf and xgf percentage Sherratt and Weber are the 18th best defensive pairing of three 200 minutes or more in the NHL according to xgf percentage yet all you guys talk about is what a shitty combination that is so all right um and on that <laughs> why don't we sw- why don't we transition to playoff lines sure the canadians are are looking at their last few games here before the playoffs Treg, you've mentioned it uh the canadians have not clinched that last point to clinch a playoff spot but even it's if they inevitable. don't w- even if they don't pick up that one point what are the chances of calgary and uh and vancouver winning every single one of their games winning outright winning not just time getting a point, winning all their games remaining are low. So let's look at the playoff lines. Uh, Matt, obviously, we're, I'm going to start with you, but obviously the uh, once everybody's back and healthy, it's expected everyone is. So let's just assume the entire roster is returned. Is that with Drew I or not? Um, I'm going to say leave Drew I out for now. Okay. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think he's coming back. So come play uh, playoffs game one. Clearly, the Deneau line is going to be fully intact with Tatar yep. and Gallagher. Yep. So that's one line. Let's. Yep. Uh, what, what do you think the other ones are going to be? Uh, I would say your second line, um, I, w- I would say it would probably be uh, Suzuki, Toffoli, and Anderson. Toffoli and on you, the left? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Toffoli on the left with Anderson on the right, yeah. Uh, Treg, what do you think the third line is going to be? I want to say, what do I think it's going to be or what do I want it to be? What do you think it's going to be? Uh, I think the third line is going to be Kotniemi with uh, Lekkanen and Armia. What about Caulfield? I want Caulfield on the second or third line. I can see Caulfield with Suzuki Toffoli and Anderson bumped down to the third line just for the playoffs. 
but I have a sneaky feeling that Caulfield might be a fourth line, if not not even playing type player when the playoffs start. That's just my feeling with the way Deshern's been going with the lines. He seems to be going with veterans and defensive-minded players. So that's why I say it's going to be an all-finish third line. That's just... Bring back the finish line. Uh, That's just what I think. Matt, what do you think the fourth line is going to look like? It's really hard to say. That, 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 That one really is a kind of a shot in the dark because I wouldn't take out somebody like Corey Perry. No, he's pretty much guaranteed. To be so I'd say I'd playoffs. say Perry's a lock for the third and third or the fourth line. To be honest, depending where they want to put him, um, we're also we're also we have we haven't brought up Byron's name yet. Who's somebody that seems to elevate their game when when it matters, and, and especially in the playoffs. So you could see a, a potential lineup of of Byron. Evan slash Stahl and, and Perry for, for a fourth line. But, you know, you're still – I still haven't mentioned Caulfield because is he going to be – you know, is he going to be in the lineup? If Drouin comes back, where are you going to put him? Um, it's, uh, it's, just, it's, just to go with you, Matt, I, I'm pretty much positive the fourth line is going to be Stahl, Byron, Perry. I, could very well be. For some, could I, very well be. Looking at the way Ducharme's run this team, I see Evans and Caulfield as the two guys out unless Montreal drops two games. Yeah, yeah. Personally. I can see that. I can see, see that. I don't want it. I would like to see both Evans and Caulfield in. Yeah. Uh, because this playoffs, Montreal's nothing to lose. You nope. – uh, But, like, like for instance, like for, like for Lackman, right? You said that you probably see him on the third line, and I could probably see that as well. Um, Lackman has – elevated his game lately and he's a, he is another guy that elevates his game yeah. come the playoffs um will that line will that line turn into something come playoff time and will Suzuki roll at us uh will Kakanami find his game by then who knows we can we can I, I and like that's why I asked Blaine do you want what I think they should yeah. they're gonna be or what yeah. I, I want them to be because yeah. what I think they're gonna be is I think Ducharme is gonna put out a defensive minded type lineup and I don't see Evanson Caulfield on it because he's going to go with the vets because that's what he's been doing yep. so far this season. And well, I see I see Ducharme playing matchup. So you have mm-hmm. the Matthews line and the Tavares line. There's your top six for the uh, the Leafs. Yeah, so there's your Suzuki nice. line the and your Tatar line. Or Suzuki line and your um, Deneau line. Yeah, yeah, so the Deneau line clearly goes up against Matthews', Matthews. line because they're the most dangerous. Then Suzuki the Tavares against... line, Suzuki matches up with them. And I agree that I think the uh, the second line with Suzuki is going to have Toffoli and Anderson because Anderson yeah. is a wrecking ball come playoff time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When he played Tampa the couple of years back, they had no response for him whatsoever. Yeah. Same with Toronto last year when they played Columbus. Yeah, yeah he didn't Oh, no, play he didn't play. He didn't play. He didn't play. Never mind. But um, – <clears throat> They it, had he played, I think it would have been the same because let's be honest, Tampa Bay had has a much better team than Toronto overall. Their top six, uh, back then had guys like Stamkos, so it's not that different talent wise, but they had a little bit more grit to their top six than Toronto does. And Anderson just barreled through them all, so I think that that's going to be. Two good matchups. Now, this is where the Kerfoot line comes into play, and that's where Kotkaniemi's line is going to have to pick up the pace come playoff time. And this is where I think the third line, 
what I think the third line is going to look like is you're going to have Kotkaniemi up the middle. You're going to have Armia on his right wing, but I think they're going to put Caulfield on his left because that's where Drouin would slot in if he were playing. So Caulfield is your Drouin replacement. And that seems to be what's been going on uh, since Drouin went down. They brought in Caulfield. They put Caulfield in, in similar situations to what Drouin had had. So that's, that's how I think he's going to do it. Roy comes back. I see, he he would be in that spot. He'd be exactly. the, he he would be in the position. He'd be beside Kakanyami. But and, then and then and, and oh. you'd likely see you'd likely see Army on that right side. Yeah, providing the more de- uh, defensive um, defensive uh, position. Puck retrieval, yeah. cycle game, the yeah. the uh, the puck possession <clears throat> game that he plays yeah. will fit in, fits in well with those two. <clears throat> also. Kotkaniemi's playmaking abilities complements Caulfield's play as Caulfield's a shooter and Caulfield would be on his off wing ready for one timers. So it, it, it could work. And as I said, it, it's more because Caulfield is a Drouin replacement and that's where Drouin would slot in if he were yeah. to play. The fourth line like, is where it gets interesting. Yeah. And if Drouin does come back, you're knocked. Someone's someone that you would likely see in the lineup is getting knocked in. Coffee. I, I say what, whether, whether it be Caulfield, Byron, Lackanen, one of those three guys is, is out. It's definitely Caulfield because uh, Ducharme likes his role guys. Yeah, he, yeah. He's got roles for each guy. If he's got, uh, you know, he's got a scoring winger, he's going to take a scoring winger out to put a scoring winger in, which, yeah. I mean, not what I would do, but that's what I've seen him do so far this year. So I'm going to go by what he has done. I'm going to base my decision on this, on what I've seen him do so far this year. <clears throat> he hasn't yeah, had I'm a full kind of, lineup before, but. Yeah. I'm kind of doing the same, only I'm basing it on his go-to veteran guys that he likes yeah. to put out there. Yeah. So I see where you're going with that, Blaine, but I'm going with the Lekkonen and the Byron over Caulfield only because. I think he has more trust in the two of them on the defensive side of the game. Not that I think Caulfield's bad defensively, because I don't. I think in so far in his, in his NHL game, I think uh, especially now where he's getting used to where he's supposed to be on the ice, his forechecking and backchecking, I think, is pretty good. Uh, I just think come playoff time, where it's a tighter, more defensively fought game, he's going to go with his Byrons and his like, that's Which not what I, mean, I would do, but that's what I think. And I, I totally see where you're coming from yeah. and the possibility as well. But I'm just basing it on the – maybe I'm basing it on the old Jul, uh, Julian style that uh, I yeah. think he's kind of half adopted, and that's where I'm kind of going with. But at the same time, these the, the Maple Leafs are not, <clears throat> come playoff time, going to change how they play. No. They, no. Didn't, do it, they didn't do it before. They're not going to do it now. No. They've added players to their lineup to give them the things that they were missing in last year's play-ins because they did not make the playoffs. So they brought in guys. It was, it was a it was postseason, but not playoffs. So they brought in players to give them what they were missing. So Simmons, TJ Brody, you know, give them those, that little bit of the grit aspect, the playoff format that they were missing but they're not going to play uh, change their style of play. That's why I think Caulfield would still. Thing is, the rest of their players aren't going to adopt that, though. That's the problem. No, no, they're right? just going to playing like, away. Yeah, you still got you've you've got Simmons, you've got Felino, etc. That Felino are that, plays. right that can play some 
that can play some physical play, but you see with the Canadians when they played, was it Pittsburgh last year? It was like every player bought in. It was like everyone was finishing their checks. And this yeah. is that's the, how you, and that's how you have to play playoff hockey. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Exactly. yeah. And this is where Weber's value is going to be felt <clears throat> is his leadership yeah. in this. So yeah. price Weber, these are guys that are nearing the, at the end of their time with the Canadians yeah. who still want to win. So they're going to impress upon everybody mm-hmm. the need to buy in the need to get a sacrifice. It worked out pretty well last year. And I think we're going to see a similar thing this year. I'm not saying the Canadians are going to win the series. Yeah. What I'm saying is it's not, you know, it's not a series where Toronto's just show up and then just take it and walk away. This is going to be, it's going to be hard for them to win. Yeah. <clears throat> You're going to see a six, seven game series. The Canadians could win this. They possibly could win this. Now the fourth line back to the lines, and that's where things get interesting for me, the battle on the fourth line, Perry is a guarantee yeah. guaranteed fourth line winger. He'll be moved up and down based on matchups and play uh, power play time and yep, all that. Yep, yep. The decision comes down to stall and Byron as the other two. Do you put in Lekkonen and Evans or do you put in stall and Byron? And I think Treg, you mentioned it. I, I agree. He's kind of picked up a little bit on that, that Julian style. He's going to put stall and likely Byron to kick it off because of the veteran aspect. And if he notices they don't, match up or do well he's got Lekkonen in the wings he's got uh he's got Evans in the wings personally I would use Lekkonen because Lekkonen in the playoffs picks his game up I would use Lekkonen and Evans because Evans has the speed to match up with uh, Toronto and Stahl does not that's right Stahl is looks like an anchor I'm sorry I mean he's played well the last in the winning streak that Froelich Stahl uh, Perry line looked very very good for what they did and for what they could do and who they were playing against. Uh, But come the playoff time, Toronto got fast skaters on almost every line and Stahl's going to have a hard, it's like you said about tonight, if Stahl's matched up against Matthews, Matthews is going to blow by him like crazy. Like it's not even going to be, it's not even going to be, I mean, Stahl, I got to admit, Stahl's not the player I thought we were getting. Like I thought we were getting, we could get the stall of the Minnesota, his last year in Minnesota. Instead, we got the Buffalo stall. So uh, he got buffaloed. Yeah. But uh, I, you know, I agree with you on everything but Caulfield there. And I gave my reasons why, because yeah. I, I, yeah. I feel the little Julian playoff time. I think he's going to go more Julian than he is the other way. And if that doesn't work in the first couple games, then I think you'll see guys like Caulfield and a couple of the younger Evans come into the game. And he's just going to say, what do I have to lose? I might as well play the young guys and see what they can do. What I would like yeah. was to see, I would like to see Caulfield in the top six, if we can fit him in, I would like him to move the Deneau line back down to the third line, have Cotton enemy play with uh, uh, Caulfield and Foley, and have Suzuki play with Anderson and, uh, and uh, Caulfield, or uh, who am I thinking on the left wing? Uh, t- t- I don't know. I've lost. I've lost all train of thought for some reason. Uh, it's 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 a match. It's a matchup thing, though. You don't want to yeah. see. Ca- yeah. you, you wouldn't yeah. want to. You wouldn't want to see. Um, Cockney, the the Deneau line would still play against Matthews. They just yeah. wouldn't be there. The, it'd be like what they did in uh, Pittsburgh. 
The no yeah, line shut down that one the, line. They shut and down then, that one line, yeah. and that's their job, right? Yeah. So you'd have Tatar, Dano, and Gallagher doing that. You'd have uh, Toffoli, uh, Kotniemi, and or sorry, Toffoli, Suzuki, Toffoli, and Anderson, and then Kotniemi with Caulfield and Maria. That's that's how that's how I would do it. And in a and, playoff series, if Deno is capable of shutting uh, Deno's line is capable of shutting down the Matthews line, you take away the majority of the offense out of the Toronto Maple Leafs. <clears throat> that line with Matthews and Marner probably going to have uh, Hyman with them as well. I think if he's back, yeah. if he's, and he, I think he will be. Um, he but be, yeah. that line is the is going to be the majority of their offense. You take that line out, and now you have a much more well you got a better chance of outplaying the other three lines so and here's my next thing what top story. six of toronto are you going to get are you going to get playoff top six toronto which is very inconsistently scoring and i mean everyone can go on but matthews had a point per game had seven points in five games last year but he scored five of them in one game so uh you know that's another thing you got to look at is this going to be a matter of montreal the series is going to come down to whether Toronto's high-end scorers show up or they don't. That's right. Right? If they show up, I still think it's going to go six, at least six games, but Montreal's not going to win the series. But I, I think we'll, we'll keep all this for um, our playoff preview episode. Once we know for sure it's the Leafs, uh, I just want to point out that the Leafs are a good team. They are expected to win the division because they won the division the regular season. They're the favorites. Just watch TSN and Sportsnet. It's guaranteed. It's not like, you know, either one of those two media corporations literally own part of the Maple Leafs. They do. But ignoring that, let's just, we'll leave it, we'll leave it there. And we'll if come back uh, it happens that Montreal plays Edmonton in the first round, just watch everything you just listened to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we're clearly forget it all. I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to change that much if it's Edmonton because no, you still I, have the McDavid line you got to match up with. You still have yeah. Dry Sidle's line to match up with. Yeah, I think the lines would change because I then I would change to saying Evans and Caulfield will be in because just to match up with the speed of Edmonton because Stall and. Byron or Lekin or whoever they leave out isn't yeah. going to match up with that. I think the difference in the matchups comes down to the defensive lines, which we're going to get to now. Um, I, Sherratt and Weber were going to, are going to be put back together. Yep. I know people are going to hate to they hear will. this, they will. but that's your playoff shutdown line. Yep. Best defensive pair, 18th best defensive pair according to XGF percentage in the NHL right now. But they're slow. They're both defensive-minded. I am using these analytic nerds' own stats against them to prove my point. No. I honestly don't care come playoff time if Weber and Schroeder are putting the puck in the net. If they can, if they can stop it, and that's what they're there for. That's they're, what they're a shutdown pair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now things get a little bit more fun when you get to the second and third pairing. So the Edmondson Petrie pairing should stay together. Yes, yes. And they shouldn't. Have, they shouldn't have been broken up. They're an excellent pairing. So there's your top four right there. You got your yep. shutdown pair with Sherratt and Weber. You got your uh, your more two-way pair with Edmondson and Petrie. The third pairing is where things start to get very interesting. Do you keep Merrill in and pair him with Romanov? Or do you bring Kulak in? 
personally, I want it to be Romanov Kulak. I think it's going to be Merrill Romanov. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think so as well. Uh, I want to see more puck movers in the lineup, but you need at least one really good puck mover preparing. And in the third pair, I don't see the issue with having two really mobile guys because Romanov still gives you that physical aspect. He can still box out. Uh, Kulak is okay in his defensive zone, but both can really move a puck. So I think them on a third pair would be beneficial, as I mentioned earlier in the show, for guys like Kotkaniemi, because now the puck is moving out of the zone quicker and it gives them more time to have the puck in the neutral and offensive zone. And that's how they were successful the first of the season because they had the puck moving defenseman uh, act basically bringing the puck into the zone and starting the offense. That's it right. Wasn't the, it wasn't the forwards. And then they got away from that for some reason, and here we are. Well, Gallagher's the team leader in zone entries into the offensive yeah. zone, and that has to do with the transition game. Gallagher's transition game was based on pucks exiting the zone. It's all because we don't have Victor Mente. Ugh. Who would get squashed in the playoffs against the He NBA is teams. the greatest neutral zone player in the NHL. It's amazing. So Matt, what about you? We didn't you, you didn't mention anything about the third pair. I would say more than likely, like Ro, I think Romanov's a lock, just the style of play. Especially when it comes to playoffs, he's gonna turn up his game. And even if he's not contributing to the offense, he's gonna make it really rough for the guys coming over that blue line. Um it's a it's a coin toss really to, to, for for Merrill or um, uh, Kulak, but I'd probably go on the more defensive side um, and go with Merrill as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For your third, I, think, for I, your think, third I think that's just what Desherm's going to go with. Regardless. Yeah, I think Kulak yeah. Romanov's the better pair because I think Kulak's good enough on the defensive side to be the third line pair. I don't think Merle's really shown, even though he's supposed to be in the games I've watched, I don't think he's shown that he is that much better than Kulak on the defensive side, even though statistically in Detroit. And then when he first got here, he, he should be better. Uh, but I still think that's who Desherm's going to go. I think you're going to see Sherratt Weber, Edmondson Petrie, Romanov Merle with Kulak and Gustafson waiting in the wings. I think Gustafson is only there in case there's injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Or if they're down and they want, they haven't been scoring and they need that guy to. Even if, even if somebody does go out with injury, I put Kulak in over Gustafson. Oh, he'll be in before Gustafson. I mean, if Gustafson was just a little better defensively, he'd probably be an all-star freaking defenseman, but he's just terrible. He is is just there to be the new Mete. Yeah. Yeah. That should be a hashtag. Wow. He's a little bit better than Mete. Uh, uh, sorry, Tiger team, but Gustin's only better than Mete because he actually creates offense. And we know they listen because they stole Habs Unfilters meme, yeah. Tiger 27 meme. Yeah. So I'm just telling <laughs> that, you, steal. We, it's yours. Keep it. Gustin is only better than Mete because he actually creates offense. He has scored points. Yeah. Although Mete's time in Ottawa has been much more productive than in Montreal. Because it oh. took him 127 games to score in Montreal, but only eight to score in Ottawa. That's right. Development. Yeah. And everyone knew he'd become a top four defenseman in Ottawa, and he did it when two of their top four defensemen got injured. That's right. <laughs> Not before. He was still raking in the 11 minutes a game. 
So that's four NHL coaches who don't think he's a top four defenseman. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. I think we've pretty much covered everything we were going to cover today. Was there no any... goaltending? No, let's not. Okay. Let's not go there. Playoff goaltending. It's obviously it's Alan. Price. <laughs> price is healthy. Price is playing. We know yeah. that. We all know that's what's going to happen. Um, all right. So I think that does it for this week. Uh, any, any last thoughts for either of you? I hope. Uh, don't I, forget I hope. to. Don't forget to use our unfiltered 20 code when you buy something from, uh, from East Coast uh, Lifestyle. East Coast Lifestyle. Yeah, that's a good point. Keep uh, keep an eye on the Habs Unfiltered uh, accounts on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, because that code changes. East Coast Lifestyle likes to change the code so they can see if anyone's paying attention. So you get about five to 10 chances to use a specific code and then they will regenerate a new code for us. Our partners at East Coast Lifestyle have been nice enough to, uh, to help us out with that. And they will, we will provide you new codes when the old ones are used up. So keep an eye on our social media. That way you can keep saving 20% off any purchase from East Coast Lifestyle. Some of the best uh, lifestyle brands out there based right here in Halifax made in somebody's basement literally literally yeah yep. <laughs> I've also seen the still where they make their new east coast lifestyle booze and I know what flavor's coming out next <laughs> but I can't we'll give that. you a special code if you want that uh, <laughs> <I'm feeling> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so there's the east coast lifestyle uh Keep an eye out for that for your 20% off there. <clears throat> Remember to go to uh, No Name Hockey and uh, you can buy your equipment there. Uh, they, uh, they provide excellent prices. They're, they're one of our original and longest serving partners. Uh, if anyone's seen lately, I got a brand new stick that's being sent out to me. It's a customized stick. Uh, no Name posted that on their Instagram account uh, in their stories. Uh, my big Papa Pump stick is on its way, so I cannot wait. Night, yeah, <laughs> '90s wrestlers, baby. Hey, I like to wrestle for position in front of the net. You don't have to when Buzzy's in that to shoot the puck. Well, that's part of the reason why they call me Big Papa Pump because I just pump goals in. Close my eyes and not shoot on it. net. Not it's touching pudsy. that. Yeah, it's Pudsy. You just close your eyes and shoot. You'll score. Just ask him. He agrees. <laughs> Dana, uh, all right. So I think we've done enough goofing off. Uh, that does it for this show. I want to thank everyone for listening, for tuning in, uh, checking us out on all the, the uh, podcast platforms, including iHeartRadio. We are now members of iHeartRadio. took a while to get there, but we got there. Uh, we are also on the Hockey Writers Podcast Network. Check that out. There's a lot of great podcasts on the Hockey Writers uh, there's some new ones. Chicks with Sticks just came out. It's a new podcast. It's women in hockey. Um, check them out. Our, fr- our friend uh, Mel Boyd, she's, uh, she's on that panel. Uh, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, hit like, hit that bell. Don't miss any episodes. Uh, we're gonna, we have exclusive content in there as well. And again, 
you guys make this fun. You make this, you make this happen. So the more of you that come out and listen and watch the better, because then we can all chirp Treg. I got big shoulders. I can take it. He's working on him. He's trying to build him up. Someday he'll be a big boy. <laughs> so again, thanks for listening. And remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no frills, no nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No name hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the no names and players currently making a name. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.